Marvel's Iron Fist will not return for a third season on Netflix, said the Disney-owned comic giant and the streamer in a joint statement to Deadline. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is proud of the series and grateful for all the hard work from our incredible cast, crew, and showrunners. We're thankful to the fans who have watched these two seasons and for the partnership we've shared on this series. While the series on Netflix has ended, the immortal Iron Fist will live on. That was Deadline on October 12, 2018. Uh, October 19th? Unfortunately, Marvel's Luke Cage will not return for a third season. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is grateful to the dedicated showrunner, writers, cast and crew who brought Harlem's heroes to life for the past two seasons, and to all the fans who have pers- who have supported the series. Uh, again, that was Deadline. Uh, just late Friday night, I remember getting a uh, an email about that really late, and I was like hanging out with friends, and I was like, what is going on right now? So, um, I have called this emergency episode. <laughs> Of uh, AP Marvel. Uh, I'm Chris Compendio. Uh, I got her subs here. I got um, uh, Sabrina Clark. What's up? Hey, what's up? Uh, not much. Just uh, talking about some canceled shows. Um, oh, yeah. Thomas Rasmussen's back. Uh, how's the laundry folding going? Hey, guys. I am back. The laundry folding is, is going very well. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, um... I, I've gathered the both of you here. Um, we've heard a lot of uh, a lot of theories about what's going on behind the scenes, like what kind of game is uh, Marvel TV playing with Netflix and whatnot. And that's that's something I don't necessarily want to talk about. I kind of want to focus on um, just things we liked about these two shows. Kind of like a uh, you know, I, I've been joking that this is kind of like an obituary, obituary of some sort, like a. Um, uh, God, my mind's blanking. What the hell is like a, a speech at a funeral? A, uh, a, eulogy? a eulogy? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a great Googleizer, like uh, Derek <laughs> Zoolander said. Um, so yeah, the, the, we didn't really plan this out. Like I have a few moments in mind, but um, I guess uh, let's talk about Luke Cage first, since that went on the air first. Um, we're, well, um, just in general, what were things, and uh, Sabrina, you can start off, like, what were general things that you liked about uh, Luke Cage just from the get-go, like, when it first premiered? Absolutely. Well, f- before Luke Cage was even announced, I think I had created a sort of um, excitement in me because I knew that Defenders was coming, but I didn't mm. know what that would necessarily mean or the order in which they would necessarily, like, present the seasons. Um, but when Luke Cage was announced, I remember being so excited because in um, in that year, I think it was 2016, we had seen, it wasn't necessarily the peak of police brutality, but it definitely was an important time yeah, where Luke Cage would have made the most difference. And especially in the execution of Luke as a character and the fact that he's a bulletproof black man in 2016 made a really big impression on me. And I think that the way that they characterized him as well was really good. Um, some of my favorite moments are all of the action scenes in every single scene with Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. I was, I remember a few days ago, I was talking to a friend about how if they hadn't, spoiler alert, if they hadn't killed off uh, Cottonmouth so early, they probably could have led up to his death being the pinnacle uh, or the sort of like the cliffhanger of the end of season one. And that way we would go into more exploration to Mariah Dillard's character in season two. Um, And I feel like 
had that been done, we would have gotten more time. We would have gotten the chance to spend more time with Cottonmouth because he, as a villain, is just unreal. And Mahershala Ali performing him was impeccable. And it's I could honestly rewatch all of those scenes just over and over again. He, he's so charismatic. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there are like several video montages on YouTube of like every time he just laughed in the show because he has a very distinct laugh. Um. But uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a bold move. I think it was like episode six or something like. It was like smack dab in the middle of the season, and it was just totally jaw dropping. And like, it definitely provoked like this. Oh my god, did they really do that uh, moment? And the payoff. I, I feel like the consensus <laughs> is that it <laughs> yeah, didn't I, pay off. <laughs> I definitely feel like they were going for like um, like breaking up the cliches and like we we're building mm-hmm. up this villain and like whoop, it's not that guy. Um, but you know, I, I, I did think that they sort of did not stick the execution. A lot of people talked about the last few episodes of, of Luke Cage season one as being much worse than the first couple episodes, or mm-hmm. at least more boring. I think that's because everyone got very excited for, for Cottonmouth and, and Luke Cage and for that to be a thing. I, I do like what they did with Mariah. I think that she turned into a much more interesting character and had a very believable arc. So I am I am thankful that they they got to do that. Maybe she should have been the season one big baddie in a techno suit from Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> big baddie. Yeah. Sabrina, did you you mentioned action scenes? Like you mentioned every single action scene. I think is what you said. Um, yeah. Were there any in particular that kind of stood out to you? Um, I'm gonna have to go back through the archives. I just pulled <laughs> up like a list of the episodes. Yeah. Let's see. Um, the barbershop, obviously, mm-hmm. that big uh, shootout was really exciting. Oh, when uh, when think... Pop was offed. Oh yes, yeah. it was nice and emotional, and it lasted quite the perfect amount of time. You know, um, a lot of the. Let's see. I'm going to pick specific episodes here. Um, there was the uh, Fort Knox. I think the Fort Knox attack when he like came out of the car door. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Are you talking about the one in episode nine? Uh, oh, it was Which much is... earlier, I think. Much it was earlier. like okay. it was like end of episode two or three, I want to say. Um, mm. But it was it, it was like it was what they called Fort Knox. Like it was uh, I think it was some sort of haven for like Mariah and uh, and Conmouth. But um, uh, in terms of like stuff that they're like stocking in there. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of their hallway fight scene. It was just kind of Luke Cage just kind of plowing through <laughs> this large group of people and like oh. making his way up the building. Uh, right. I want to say he threw a couch out the window at the end. I think that's like how the episode began. It was like, like the you're probably wondering <laughs> yeah, how I got here moment. Right. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, for me, I think the action scene that first uh, came to mind was in episode nine where. Um, Luke is on the run and he gets picked up by a police officer or two. And there's a little Mm. altercation that goes out, goes down there. And it's not a full action scene, but it's a, it's a moment with a lot of tension that Mm -hmm. I think helps to reiterate this point of needing a bulletproof character, especially in the streets of Harlem. Um, and it also gives Luke an ability to see the fact that he's needed. 
um, which I think is important. Right. But I'm going to keep scrolling through other episodes and see if I find action. Couldn't you like that see that from like, it was like seen from a dash cam. I want to say it from like a police dash cam. Ooh, yeah, yeah. From like either from the actual dash cam or they kept, I remember they kept the camera in the dashboard. Mm-hmm. So the scene starts with him, like with the police officer outside of the car, stopping right. Luke. And that was just a whole other type of emotional experience in and of itself. Yeah, something about seeing it in that in that exact format, like in this very uh, this very real this very real way that we're all too used to seeing from, like through the, through all the news that's happening. Um, right. And there, of course, there is a whole montage of like uh, the police kind of picking out these people who have uh, um, fake Luke riddles. Cage sweaters, yeah, like like uh, hoodies with holes in them. Um, all while I, I think um, Method Man's bulletproof love was playing in the background. Probably that sounds right. just making it a whole like cultural experience. Yeah, yeah. like to, a song that like straight up name drops Trayvon Martin. Um, I was just right before we started the Skype call. I was watching. Um, as I, I was refreshing my memory. I was uh, reading a uh, Paste magazine list of the awesome musician cameos from Luke Cage season one because um, I was so um, I, I was so entranced. You know, kind of a big word entranced, but like I was so interested in like um, all of these musical acts that like I otherwise probably would not have been exposed to. Because um, I am a, I'm, <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, but uh, it w- it was this one sequence, like you, s- it was uh, Charles Bradley performing "Ain't It a Sin," um, mm. which I, th- I thought was a really cool and energetic song. I want to say Charles Bradley passed away uh, sometime last year, I think. Uh, but it's just so full of energy, and then. Um, in the meanwhile, they're showing this montage of like Luke Cage, kind of like again, like messing up all of these like smaller like crime strongholds, and, like breaking open safes and like bend like bending pistols in half and stuff like that. And like to just really him like um, at the beginning of his prime, like being Harlem's hero. Yeah, the role of of music in I, I I really think Luke Cage of all the Netflix shows is the one most associated with getting just a tone of the show really well. And there is this there's this feeling of like mm-hmm. acts of heroics accompanied by like slow music that was very tonal, very like appropriate for like the Harlem's Paradise Club. Um, and just like the use of yeah. the role and the environment and just like the characters around, I, I felt like more than any other show, Luke Cage was maybe slow, but it felt like its own show. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, maybe more so than Daredevil or Jessica Jones and certainly more than, than Iron Fist. It made use of like <laughs> its own space. Right. I think it definitely got establishing the world really, really correctly. Mm-hmm. And I was like going through the the extra notes that we'd had or like the whatever doc it is that has um, other topic ideas. Sure. And I saw that there was a question of whether or not Harlem was accurately depicted in Luke Cage. And I feel like to me personally, like as a black woman in America, I feel like I always have to say that because my voice might not match what people assume my face looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and put that out there. But I feel like as a black woman in America, I can only assume that Harlem is, looks like this and sounds like this and feels like this. It's very family oriented. Right. But that's really a question that only 
native Harlem residents, or uh, re what's the word I'm looking for? Native Harlem residents. Okay, great. I said that right. Probably, could yeah. Could possibly, <laughs> yeah, could possibly um, identify with yeah, and absolutely. like actually analyze. But I know that the music itself also helped to like fully immerse the audience in that world. And even if it wasn't complete 100% accurate to Harlem during this time, I feel like it um, still does a good job of representing black America, which is mm -hmm. important in taking on a story like this. Yeah, it definitely, um, like, you know, I, 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 I couldn't personally tell you if it was authentic or not. Like I'm like the worst person to ask, but like it, it felt, um, it felt very inviting in a way that like made me want to learn more. Um, right. if everything felt whether it was real, whether it was like accurate or not, it felt like a real, realized place, rather than like the, you know, borderline cartoonish. Like at, there were so many, there was so much gang warfare, Hell's Kitchen in Daredevil, for example. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it felt like a caricature. Whereas like Harlem, like it, it definitely helped that they got a lot of actual real names. So there was the whole, um, like first of all, all the musical performers were all real people. Mm -hmm. Um, second, there was like, oh, I remember that, that scene with, um, it's like for Pop's funeral and they, they recruit Dapper Dan to, um, like fix him up a suit and like Dapper Dan's a real person. I found out later on. Um, and then he's wearing that suit the entire episode and there, it, it's this whole extended sequence of people running up to Luke Cage being like, hey, I need your help with this thing. And he just, like, helps them, you know? Like, just, mm -hmm. like, instantly. And, like, <laughs> smacks some people around. And um, th that was, like, the, the moment that really defined Luke Cage for me. Like, just the... Um, really being, like, a man of the people. Really being a, a true street hero who's, like, just out in the open and people can, like... Um, you know, like the whole Heroes for Hire premise, you know, that's where it felt fully uh, realized in this very, like, mm -hmm. natural way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> season two um, had the had the Jamaicans in it. It did. Which I think, yeah, it had, it had a very interesting, it was definitely an interesting addition. Um, it sounded like from what I've read from people who are more familiar with the matter than I am, um, that they got a lot of, like, the lexicon right, they got a lot of the lingo and, like, the wording and the language correct. Mm -hmm. Apparently what they mm -hmm. didn't get right were the actual accents. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, it sounded like they tried their best, but they probably could have gotten actual, like, <laughs> speakers of, uh... Ah, but, oh boy. I, I um, will say the actor who played Bushmaster did an incredible job of providing a menacing presence at the same time as mm -hmm. being a relatable villain. And I, I thought he was a great actor. The fact that he did not Absolutely. have a Jamaican accent and could not replicate one to save his career, I, I, I feel like there, there was maybe there was a trade-off to be made. I, they might have made the right choice because I did enjoy him in all other respects. Yeah, I mean, as someone like me who's stupid, it was convincing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was a not from here accent, and that was as much as I could have. Yeah, I'm discerned. sure. I'm sure all the the, the whites in America will um, uh, <laughs> give me. Oh yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, like there there are several sequences of like um, 
you know, like his, I guess his lieutenants, let's call them, uh, kind of like slowly strolling around in their car, like on the lookout, and their windows are open. They're kind of like eyeing people in this threatening matter, and you can like hear like Jamaican-ish music kind of like playing the background. It's, it's like the Jaws theme, but it's just like this very lighthearted, like cool Jamaican music, and I, I really liked that, like kind of adding to the atmosphere of it all. Um, so I, I think in most respects, like that, that season two was successful, even though they could have, uh, even though they could have, uh, <laughs> done a little better in the accent department, which is something that most movies and television shows, uh, totally fail with. <laughs> I think being that I haven't seen the second season, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that it was supposed to be centered around Jamaican culture, it kind yeah. of makes me excited. Yeah. Because of the fact that that's only going to deepen the world of Luke Cage and immerse the audience more fully into all the possible like potential terrors or mishaps um, in Harlem or in Luke Cage's world and realm, which I think is uh, pretty exciting and also interesting and important um, when yeah. continuing to build this character in this series especially under the assumption that you would be given a third season. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to say, uh, yeah, building the world might be a little harder now, uh, but yeah. we'll see what <laughs> So one thing that was that I, I really liked about season one that I was really hoping season two would pick up on was it felt like season one did a really good deconstruction of how um, Shades sort of plays this. He's not, like, I think he's supposed to be, like, raised in a poor neighborhood and like mm-hmm. of um latino descent and stuff like that but he in the first season was the lightest skinned character so he was the stand-in for like the corrupting white influence who was sort of like pitting right, these sure. people against each other for like for cottonmouth it was like the threat of like all oh, diamondbacks gonna come down here like you've got to do something about this um pushing luke cage to his limits and it was sort of a deconstruction of like how the socioeconomic like necessity of crime drives black on black crime. I thought that was like mm. a, an element of it. And I was excited for season two to be like, okay, we've dealt with that. Now we're going to deal with like some bad, like white slum Lords or something like that. Like that is sort of where mm. I wanted it to go. Right. And it went yeah. to like, would have been interesting. I don't know. It went to what was essentially like uh Bushmaster's family were, slaves and they were poor and like Cottonmouth's father screwed them over on a business deal so he swore vengeance and it was very much like they lost that thread entirely um and sort of created a conflict where like I genuinely was like on Bushmaster's side for part of it where I felt like especially by the end the very end of Luke Cage season two uh, I assume spoilers are fine uh yeah Luke Cage fails the hero's journey and sort of like decides to become um, a villain in a sense. Uh, And I was sort of surprised by that and didn't know what the message was supposed to be there. Cause he was a very, like he was a very moral upstanding person and Mm -hmm. sort of paragon of virtue. And I, I kind of liked that about him. I kind of liked that he like stuck to his code and, and kept going with it. And they really, derailed that and i thought that the only chance they would have like to redeem that choice was in season three but now the what now there wait, wait, wait. Season three. 
<laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was um, that's fail the hero's journey is such an interesting phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, Which part of the hero's journey? As there are so many. Yeah. There are several steps, several, several name steps of the hero's journey. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe the elixir he comes back with is uh, crime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I, my parents uh, did not like the end of the first. Like they were kind of tired out by the end of the first season. They thought that like they were kind of into the first half, and then the second half just kind of like turned them off. Um, yeah. So they never even bothered season two. But I described the ending to them, and I described like the exact shots, and like he, like Thomas probably knows what I'm, I'm talking about because yes. my parents are like, "Oh, the Godfather." <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it was when, a when, direct like, ripoff. It was literally like shot for shot, like the scene from Godfather, um, with, with him closing with them closing the door while someone's whispering in Luke's ear, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's pretty cool. I like that." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I. That's so disappointing that they'll just never get to do anything. Like, supposedly never get to do anything. At least not on Netflix. Um, but that's not what this episode's about. Instead, we're talking about uh, how much we loved hearing the Jamaican terms rasclat and pygmy in season two. Right, Thomas? Yes. Rasclat. <laughs> it has been a couple months, so I don't actually remember <laughs> that. So I remember there was a scene where like Luke was like, "Wait, rask? What? What rask?" He was like trying to figure out what that meant. Um, yeah, season two had some musical performances. There is uh, uh oh dear lord, uh, what? I I feel like I put her song in a playlist afterwards. It was uh, so what's her name? Um, you know I have a Mashable article on right now and it is not loading. Was it? Esperanza, Esperanza Spalding, yeah, she was in one scene. Uh, Kingfish, uh, this like this very blues like pair of songs and like these really sick uh, guitar solos. Like it was just, it continued that thoroughly nicely. I mean, I think the um, that first scene in Harlem's Paradise in season one with uh with the song Good Man. If you guys remember mm-hmm. that, like, oh man, that was. Like the uh, the filmmaker in me was just like gushing over that scene, like just how well lit it was, and like that, the, like the the tracking shot, like through the audience and to the stage, and all the way up to um, Mahershala in the like up in the balcony. Yeah, there were so many good like audio visual moments. Yeah, in season one that I really did appreciate, and that I feel like. Um, are kind of kind of undervalued and underrated because I know a lot of people get stuck with that the image of Mahershala Ali in front of the Biggie poster yeah. where the yeah. crown just like hovers over his head and everyone's like oh that's so cheap why did you do that but it's one of the many 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 beautiful shots that that show has and I feel like Luke Cage took direction in a very different direction like it kind of leveled uh not even leveled the playing field but it rose it rose the bar a bit in creating this constant theme between the tracks that are chosen um in each scene and in each like critical point of of the story in each episode and i feel like um those things are going to be truly missed because i loved watching luke cage for the style and i love watching each of the um, Marvel shows, except for Iron Fist, sorry, um, for 
the styles that they have because they're so particular and precise with what they're trying to convey. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has a very specific atmosphere um, that I think will be sorely missed now. Like, I, I really like the musical score also. Um, I remember in the lead-up to Season 1's release, the uh, Mar- Marvel Music released uh, this curated, um, inspired by, I guess, like, stuff that they're listening to, or maybe, like, playing on set or whatever, and, um, I'll, I'll post, I'll probably see if I can post that link to, in the, uh, show notes, but I was, like, almost, like, infatuated with that playlist. I was just listening to that for such the longest time, and it was, like, this, this, uh, this gateway, you know, to this, this genre that I had, like, really not known about, um... And yeah, and that's that's kind of the cool thing about art, you know? Like, people might not have a good image of, like, what Harlem is like, and, like, you know, here's something that, um, it, it's, they're, they're sharing it in a way, you know, which I think is a really cool thing that art can do. Um, so, oh, man. Yeah, I, I was bummed out, <laughs> even though, like, I've, I've had, like, a few story issues with Luke Cage, you know? Um, yeah. It apparently creative differences was the thing, but uh, I don't know what that means. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what's happening, man. But it's not our job to figure that out. <laughs> Who even knows what creative differences mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this was definitely. I mean, since on a on a, a more meta note, this was definitely like a a week of reckoning over it over at Netflix. They. Creative differences don't happen like in two two related shows in the same yeah. day. There's, there's something going on. Yeah, every, everyone clings to your loved ones, and I, by loved ones, I mean Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and maybe the Punisher. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm worried my uh, my shows are going to get canceled. Yeah. You know, very. Who's next? Uh, Sabrina, we don't have to let you go we soon, do. do we? I think it's almost eight yeah. thirty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, we can, since you have not seen Iron Fist, we can let you go at this point, if you'd like. Thanks for having me, everybody. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, Always a pleasure. Shall definitely I give be... a sign-off? Um, well, Sabrina, where can people find you on social media? Well, everyone, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at sabrina.m4v. That's at mm-hmm. S-A-B-R-I-N-A dot M4V, like the video file. And then on Twitter, you can find me at Sabs Clark, which is at S A B S C L A R K E. Hashtag free Sabrina's old Twitter. <laughs> yes, um, free my old Twitter. Rest in peace. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Sabrina. We I value your perspective, and I'm glad you're able to join us. Thanks for having me, you guys. I hope we get to actually see each other in person for once. Yeah. Right. And uh, we're back. We took a short uh, five-second break after Sabrina signed off, and uh, we're back here. Uh, Thomas, how is the laundry going right now? Uh, yeah, so I folded pretty much everything uh, and put away some stuff on the call. So hopefully that did not create a lot of background noise, and uh, now I can just chill. So there you go. Very yeah, uh, we got a lot done yeah. in these first 30 minutes. Um, and I, uh, I apologize for pushing the, uh, the call late, and we lose Sabrina early because of that. Um, my, I went for a run and got lost and couldn't find my way back for 30 minutes. So this delayed everything in my day. Where were you going? 
That's pretty uh, so I'm, I was, my goal is to run 11 miles today, and so I oh, literally okay. ran six miles in just a direction. The direction in this case was north, and right. uh, could not find my way back. So what you're saying is that <laughs> you're stupid. That is what okay. I'm saying, yes. <laughs> um, so... Let's talk about our favorite moments from Iron Fist Season 1, shall we? I, I figured we'd have time because this should be a shortish list. But, yeah, go um, ahead, please. I, don't have, I can't think of anything <laughs> right now. I think um, there are so many moments that were silly, but they didn't mean for them to be silly. I remember uh, when Harold Meacham first sees, like, the handprint on the window. Yeah, yeah. And it's this big, stressful, like, and then it, like, zooms out to show that he's at, like, the top of, like, a multi-story building, and, like, oh, that's insane. And it's it's just so funny to me to see, like, a grimy handprint be, like, the, <laughs> the omen of doom. Yeah. And there's so many moments like that in the show where I, I enjoyed it in a way that was not intended, but I did, in fact, enjoy it. Uh, how about that, that taxi Josh when he, like, did a little flip in episode one? That was, that was good. That was, well. yeah, in, in that it was bad, or, but, like, yeah. needs to be said, uh, Danny's power of like calming that dog down with some sort of like meditative pose and then <laughs> that is that. never referenced or used ever again um but just little gems like that could have used that on davos you know uh, he's a mad dog you know just uh quell him um i i hesitate to like dunk on this show so much like now that it's like technically dead at the moment but like uh yeah there, there was like there was I mean, a homeless dude it. who was like hey yeah uh, if you ever want to find out about anyone i got a phone with the internet and you can just search about it it was like <laughs> the worst way to give exposition. <laughs> expositional device yeah um i will say in a in a broader sense i think there are shows like or there are movies like deadpool where you're supposed to laugh with the creators of the movie about like, oh, aren't superheroes yeah. dumb and yeah. all these conventions. And I think Iron Fist filled this role, which was really like laughing, not not with the creators, but very much laughing at like superheroes and how ridiculous they can be and, mm-hmm. and some of that, the, those tropes. Um, and I've had some really fun moments with with friends watching Iron Fist. And it's not that it was so god awful and bad if if i was looking for that i would go to inhumans but like <laughs> it was just on that line where um you could it was it was good and it fit the mold except for the places where it fell apart and those were numerous enough to be just a enjoyable watching experience yeah yeah and you know for something cobbled together and rushed out before defenders i you know i i have a little bit of sympathy for some of the decisions made in Iron Fist season one, um, less so in the Inception. I think the Inception was not great, but once everyone was there on set, I, I don't know. Maybe they did their best. Mm. Um, I mean, you. <laughs> whenever I see a picture of Scott Buck, <laughs> I'm like, he kind of looks like Harold Meacham, doesn't he? And I was like, huh, it, it, I feel like um, if you're going to run the show, you should see yourself in, like, the protagonist. So, like, if they co- if they got, like, a cool dude right. who, like, 
knew about like kung fu and asian culture or like at the very least the comics which is like what they did with season two they got his comic fan to actually do the yeah. damn show um they should loved yeah a kung fu director yeah that would have been amazing mm-hmm. even as an advising role just yeah i don't it it seemed like oh let's just we had to get the the first person available you know and so it's got the guy yeah. who uh made dexter into a laughing stock and it was it was confirmed that he got the job because he he said he could do it in the least amount of time, right? Like his. Uh, I think was that was in humans. That was like months. that was the director of the first two episodes who said that. Uh, but oh, maybe Scott Buck said that. I don't know. Maybe there is like a I, a pattern here. <laughs> so um, hold on, because I think Scott Buck did both, didn't he? He did in humans, but uh, I'm, I'm talking about the actual director of the two Inhumans episodes because like Scott Buck's just the writer. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was like this dude who who did a bunch of like direct to DVD schlock like Death Race Two, and that's all I can think about. What is it done? Let's yeah, give him the IMAX camera, and <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that was a bizarre that that those first two episodes were terribly shot. They looked yeah. very, uh, they they were bad. Um. They were not good. Okay, good Good thing about Iron Fist Season 1. I liked Episode 6 with the whole, like, the whole gauntlet yeah. of, like, weird baddies that he has to fight. <laughs> and that one was the most just unashamedly comic book, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, the spider lady whose day job is studying spiders, and then her fighting style is with poison. Like, it's just the most... But that was the most fun, because yeah. you can't watch that and be like, oh yeah, this is a serious rendition taking place in modern day. you just like, oh yeah, it's some comic book show yeah. about yeah. crazy costume people fighting each other with kung fu. Like, that's all we needed, and we got it for a little while, and that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I There was also the guy who, like, who was... Uh, seeing take on me and uh, during karaoke and he was also like killing everyone and, he, yeah. and then he strangled a guy with a microphone like that that guy <laughs> seemed like he knew how to party so um, he, that actor was so fun that i was sort of i don't know a little bit rooting for him right like i wanted him <laughs> to stick around and do more stuff like yeah. even as he was strangling people i was like oh this guy's cool yeah this guy's all right yeah um and speaking of Super fun! I wish they were the Iron Fist protagonist actors. There's the um, the drunken fight. Sequence. Talk about Louis Tan, who is uh, yeah. infamous amongst my colleagues, but uh, beloved by myself and Izzy. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, he was. I don't. I don't know if his accent was. I don't know what that was, but like, <laughs> he was fun to watch. Like he, like he, like the physicality of his role. He seemed to know like what he was doing. Um, in a really fun way, um, and it, it was almost meta the way he was like, "Oh, so you think you're you're the Iron Fist?" And, yeah. Um, it, it was a neat little scene, but that that's literally the only scene that dude was in. Uh, I can't believe they didn't try to bring him back for season two for something. I guess the hand is over; they're not doing hand anymore. But he set himself up to be like the antithesis of the Iron Fist in some sort of, like, arch-nemesis role. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was something about, like, he needed to keep his dragon sedated 
So implying that if he was not drunk, he would actually be even, even greater. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. That's and I think that would have been an awesome callback. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would have been super cool. But uh, I enjoyed that fight and wanted more of it is, I guess, the moral of that story. Yeah. I mean, th- those same colleagues of mine would be like, oh, he, but he was throwing shade at Marvel and Netflix on Twitter. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> You're 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 acting like he's a sex offender or something like that. Like what what he said and did. Like even though he was criticizing the casting and saying he wish he got cast. Like maybe he can be like very self promoting, but like a lot of people in Hollywood are. <laughs> yeah, and like that. It's also just honest. Yeah, I don't know. he's not he's not being a scumbag to people openly like a lot of a lot of people are. Like a lot of um, yeah. So I I don't know why there is like such a particular uh, uh, hatred like not hatred but you know people were not people do not like him, <laughs> um, and I totally just I uh, maybe I'm apologetic of like the shade he was throwing but like I, it really wasn't that big of a deal but uh, that's just that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, Louis Tan is all right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know people are complaining, like, um, oh, like, he, he really likens himself as someone, like, much better than he actually is. Like, he's like, oh, I I really want to play Nightwing, and everyone's like, ah, you probably think too much. That could be true, but, like, again, at least he's not a piece of shit person. Right, right. I think passion for yourself in these roles that you love is, like, I don't know, I would like that in actors. Mm-hmm. I think I'd find that endearing. In most of them, I think it just comes down to like he's butting heads with people that we like, like Marvel. Yeah, you know, it's not like he got in front of a camera with a microphone and like like WWE style started like trash talking, you know, Jeff Loeb or or something like that. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> which actually, that that would have been funny though. <laughs> I'd love to see that. I I would like to see that. Yeah. I'd like to see Finn Jones now that he's done with the show. Mm-hmm. Just go on some tirade, knowing he can't be fired anymore. Oh, but yeah, and, the Iron Fist is immortal, and they will keep putting him on other shows, according to Entertainment. So what Weekly. does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Does that mean just cameos? Does that mean Defender season two? Oh, of course whatever? not. No, of course there's never going to be a Defender season two. <laughs> Are you crazy? Like, Finn, Finn Jones can't like. He's not contractually obligated to do those cameos. I have right? no idea what what the status of that is. Like, I don't think um, uh, th- there are always very few details on like what's what they actually what the what the TV actors signed. You know, like we always hear about like the Marvel Studios actors. They're always like, oh, well, I have like a six picture deal with Marvel Studios or something like that. I have like the kid from yeah. Iron Man three has like some absurd uh, picture deal. I want to say. <laughs> Does he really? Um, yeah, no. I, I think even like like Aaron Taylor Johnson has like a several film, it's like a several film picture deal, and wow, Quicksilver's dead, man. Um, yeah, uh, season one, it was really just Ward, you know, just following his Ward was interesting, following his struggle with addiction. Like there was that one scene where he's like slamming his car door into his hand and, like, just trying to get a fix. And, like, that was just, like, really sad to watch. But, like, you know, it, it was... It was it painted a, an interesting picture, I think, that, like, set up some more interesting things in Season 2, which uh, yeah. you and I talked about with uh, Adam and Rhiannon. 
uh, in that previous episode. Um, uh, besides that, I love the 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 shot of him holding up his middle fingers up to the cameras. Yeah. Uh, Harold beat up his. He I think he murdered his assistant with an ice cream scoop. That was actually that's one of my favorite unintentionally <laughs> hilarious moments. <laughs> Where he's just like, is there vanilla? And he just murders him with an ice cream scoop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. That was, I mean, that could be out of a straight up comedy if it wasn't played so straight. Like. That was, Harold Meacham was a weird character. Like when he. He was a weird character. When he resurrected the second time, like out of the swamp and then like just meandered around like a zombie i was like i it was straight up like a comedy at that point it was bizarre like why would you like what a strange creative choice to have him like come back from the dead but be like like a five-year-old for a little while yeah um bold decision (laughs) yeah there's a few of those. Yeah. You know? Also, the the hand civil war was I I I was so confused and I was like, why do you have like a camp full of uh, murderous teenagers now? <laughs> that I did kind of. I, okay, so I I did like Bushido's camp because it shows a side of the hand of like how are they getting these ninjas? Like how are they recruiting these people? Yeah. And it's it's sort of like you take underprivileged youths and you sort of give them a home and a place to stay and then prey on their like gratitude and, and nowhere to go and train them. And then they get more devoted, like a cult. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like that kind of shows like how the hand operates as an organization yeah, and that kind of stuff. But then uh, I, I don't think that they, they really followed through on that because they did show like Gao and Bushido as being like competing factions. I thought it would have been way more interesting to Bakudo, be like they are close. Bakudo, yeah. yes. Sorry, sorry. Um, it would have been way more cool to have them be like working together the whole time and be borderline friends and you know have that reveal be a little strong. They were next time. I... <laughs> the they, they were in the ne- yeah. You were correct. Yeah. I don't know. Um. The the hand is just whatever the current plot needs it to be. It is. Uh, also, ironically, Davos did the exact same thing in season two. Took advantage of these underprivileged kids. Yeah. Okay, so it was the moral of Iron Fist supposed to be, like, the fight against income inequality by the richest person in New York? Or... Because, like, it, it kind of felt like there was there was this sense of, like, the hand operates in the city because there are so many poor people that they can take advantage of. Mm -hmm. But like then the richest man in New York fights that by punching them. (laughs) Uh... I don't know what the, there was maybe a story thread there that didn't quite get woven in, but I appreciate that someone behind the scenes was trying someone in the screenwriting room was like, we should really tie this into a, a relevant social issue of the day. And, you know, there was only one of the writers and he got shouted down, but it's in there somewhere in the DNA of that show. Sure. I mean, season one had a kind of a uh, uh, compassionate corporation little spiel, like when he was like, oh, yeah, let's just let's just sell these at cost. Uh, and then there was like this lady outside the building who thanked him and then he became like, the profile of a, like of a uh, viral YouTube video and like a magazine article or something like that. 
Um, corporations are people too, my friend. Um, as Mitt Romney reminded us back in 2012. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this show was not was not timely. Nor it's was a bit tone it. deaf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's what I was going for. Um, I also never felt like Chinatown was a real place, especially the way Harlem was for Luke Cage. I don't know. Um, and again, this is not a this is not a shit on Iron Fist kind of thing, but um, it just felt like I, Rand did feel like a real thing, um, and its presence in the city and its like name recognition like did feel, feel real. So like the company was felt like a character. Um, I think in in season two they tried to make Chinatown much more of a character, and I certainly got that there were people who lived there and they (laughs) were concerned about the place and the community center was a really nice set piece i thought that was a a great place to be like fighting over because it's just something so so pure you know yeah i will i would have liked to see more of that yeah that was i that was where that thought thread led me was i sort of would have liked to see chinatown more and iron fist's defender of chinatown a little more but oh well yeah, um, I, I think there were some world-building issues in Season 2, even though, like, I, I said that I, like, kind of liked it. Um, I think I might have mentioned the other episode that I wish they showed more of the threat of the triads and, like, why it was actually, uh, you know, something dreadful looming over the people who lived in there and making that that fight worth fighting, um, where it felt like here Danny was just kind of doing it because... He's a good person, you know, um, yeah. and we've seen that story a million times. Um, that being said, um, I, I did think there is a little, there is a lot more to chew, chew off of from season two. Like a, a lot of the, um, I guess the whole addiction piece that I, I was kind of going for in that, um, you know, if you have... Ward's literal addiction, and then you have like Danny's addiction with the Iron Fist, and just this whole, um, like this this whole theme of self care. You know, it was yeah. Um, it it was it was definitely more interesting to me in that respect, and there were uh, a few more action scenes that I liked. Like we 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 talked about the um the the Crane Sisters fight scene. Like it was this very like kinetic dynamic uh fight mm-hmm. scene where they they just kept like picking up things around them, and it felt like a very, um, very real action scene, you know? It felt, it felt visceral in a way that, like, nothing in season one, uh, really got up to. Uh, it was, it was exciting for once. Like, I was like, oh, cool, this is a cool fight scene that I'm, like, getting invested in. Ironically, Danny Rand was not in that fight scene. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) (laughs) And it might not be a coincidence, but that's... Oh, sure, yeah. Um, they 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 could have had something with the um the flashback fight scene with Danny and Davos. They really could have. Yeah, yeah. They they did. They just kept like cutting that up in like in interspersing it throughout that episode, just to like I don't know, be artsy, let's say. Um, but it could it could have really been like this brutal um little sequence, but they I guess they elected not to do that, you know. Um, so I guess they'll never get a chance to have their. You know, I use the the phrase hallway fight scene, but, like, that's kind of, like, 
I'm, I'm using that as like that was Daredevil's way of defining itself. Like it was its thesis statement yeah. for like this is what the show is, and I I don't really think there was that kind of scene in Iron Fist. You know, even though there were a lot of bits and pieces that I liked throughout the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw the Hatchet Man at the start was sort of where I, I oh. thought it was going to get into his element, and it it really never it never transpired. There was some cool stuff in season two, though. Uh, I thought that if the first season was a bit of a uh, a shit show because of scheduling and and pressures to come out before Defenders and all this stuff, season two was really just like a massive reorganization, and mm-hmm. I, I do I respect it for not taking the easy way out and having all of these changes happen at the beginning, but rather have season two be about change and moving the pieces on the board to where they needed to go and, and putting in the work to reorganize the Iron Fist universe. Um, I mean, you can almost imagine like if in the first episode, Danny Rand had been knocked out and pulled over to the ritual and Davos was Iron Fist for the whole. Oh my God. Yeah. That could have easily happened, you know? That would have been terrible. Um, but they like, but they put in the work and they made it yeah. feel like it evolved. And now, and it got us to a point that I think all of us were genuinely excited for season three. Yeah, because they unfairly oh. played a trailer for it at the yeah. end of season two. But like, I, I thought that they had some very interesting stuff. They had done the work and were ready to make a good season of television, and they will not get that opportunity now. So, what if we gave Iron Fist a gun? No, wait, wait. What if we gave him two guns? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's... I, I loved it. See, episode six. Episode six in Iron Fist yeah. was the most comic yeah. booky, ridiculous mm-hmm. thing, and that's what we all loved. And they were like, maybe we could just do that more, you know? Yeah. Just make things silly and kind of awesome. I mean, when you have a fan base who, like, will like go absolutely insane at a name drop like Orson Randall when like a, a schmuck like me has no clue who the hell that is. Like I, that's... I still don't. I haven't looked at any of the explanation videos on YouTube. Yeah. I guess I should now because I'm not going to get an explanation from the show. Yeah. I, I wish they kind of served that audience a little earlier, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think, I don't think anyone on the writing staff of season one knew what they were doing. So um, they're just like, okay, we have, we have this comic book that I found uh under my couch and uh <laughs> Jeff Loeb has hired us to make 13 episodes out of this uh I don't know Trump's in the news uh <laughs> hey did you guys watch last night's arrow you know with speaking like kind of like that um I mean, that's what people were saying from the first trailer, right? I was like, oh. I love the idea that they're, they're all watching Arrow on the nights off and so inspired by that. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it was a, it was a ride. It was definitely a ride with Danny Rand and Colleen Wing and Misty somehow became a major character in season two. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her in season two, even though she was yeah. shoehorned in the last episode when, like, when Mary just decided to lock her up for no reason to let her escape and then become a part of the big fight at the end, which she had no emotional investment in. <laughs> but, um, what can you do? You know, Daughters of the I, Dragon. I don't even know. I mean, uh, she Misty Knight does really well in scenarios where she's sort of like, oh, hell no, like I didn't sign up for this yeah. kind of bullshit. And, wrong place at the wrong she, time. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that they nailed that here. Um, but I would... Oh, I was going to say, like, so I guess she's gone, right? Cause yeah, Kate both of her shows. Her two shows. <laughs> so those are... It was a bad day for that actress. Yeah, I don't know who yeah. plays her. I, I was I was looking at uh, potential thumbnails for this photo, and I found an official photo of uh, Danny Rand's appearance in Luke Cage season two. And I was like, "Oh man, yeah. this this picture has not aged well. It's only been a few months, and uh, <laughs> I'm already looking at it, and I'm I'm feeling a little bummed out now." And that was one of the best netflix cameos because it it was big it had its proper time like he cameoed for an entire episode yeah they had a fight scene together and he passed on sort of he was like here's what i've been studying and here's what that can help you with Mm -hmm. you know sort of sort of helps him out and then goes back to doing his own thing and i thought that was a great model for netflix totally yeah it felt very comic booky like the way uh characters make guest appearances you know because uh, it's it's a shared universe, and that the way they did it just made sense. Um, which I tell you right now, Daredevil season three does not do that at all. Even though I love that season, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I I think most of this has been dunking on Iron Fist, but I don't want I don't want to uh, give the idea that I am glad that it's gone because I'm not. Uh, because Listen, give me a couple episodes of Ward and Danny going <laughs> on, like, this crazy, like, Asian adventure <laughs> and just, like, getting into hijinks. <laughs> I I think that the longer I've thought about it, the more I'm excited for uh, a Colleen-centric alternate plot yep. where she's sort of like... I was going to mention that, too. now yeah. she has to step up and to the call to adventure and sort of defend Chinatown. And she sort of hasn't had that hero's arc yet, and she mm-hmm. needs her origin yeah, story, so to speak. Yeah. And, like, that could be really good. I, I feel like that, that actress has been sort of... I, I don't know whether she's wasted or whether she her her range is, is smaller, but I, I like to think that she's capable of a lot of um, very powerful character development that just hasn't mm-hmm. been going on. Not not with a pirate queen though. That's not what I was excited for. <laughs> that 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 was a very background side plot that I forgot about every few episodes. Yeah. Um, there, I feel like that was like she, she should fight Luke Cage. She should fight bad Luke Cage. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Like yeah, like Luke Cage's criminal empire versus Colleen's Iron Fist. Yeah, they'd be amazing. Yeah, I would love that. Both do ground. They should have done that. Or, like, the next Defenders ah. season would be, all of, like, three of them teaming up to stop Luke Cage. Like, that would... There's there's some fun stuff that yeah, could have been done. Yeah, and then the Punisher comes in and he's like, I got a gun. And they're like, that's not going to work on him. And he's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> um, Do you have any Judas bullets? Yeah. 17. <laughs> no, that doesn't work anymore, remember? They... Oh, that's right. Because he's <laughs> stronger now. Yeah, I found these... Yeah. I don't know... <laughs> Infinity bullets from the remnants of the. I don't they know. They might as well, right? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I I don't know what's gonna happen with these shows. Like, I I assume that um, I I can't imagine that Jeff Loeb and company would let this enterprise uh just falter. You know, like they had yeah. they had a plan. 
and this is not this is definitely not going the way they expected but nope. there, there must be some sort of contingency plan there must be some way to um to quench the thirsts let's say of those um power man and iron fist fans um and i don't i don't really want to speculate too much on that because i have no clue what the business goings on are with that i think some people think right. some of my mmd colleagues believe that the uh, uh marvel tv's like trying to play trying to play a hard game here trying to play a long game with like hey give us more money for our shows or else we're going to go to disney streaming and netflix is like nah man well, so, so i thought that it was just so my back of my mind was like well they're gonna go to disney streaming eventually so maybe mm-hmm. they just didn't bother to re-up because that's that's where they're headed i don't know yeah we'll see i'm again we're not speculating uh this might be the most anthony thing that i say today oh please do but uh i think did did thanos's snap apply to marvel shows that <sighs> yeah, I mean, when you count Defenders as a cancelled <laughs> show, like, that's three for three. Um, yeah, yeah. There's about half of them left, right? Yeah. I mean, all I'm saying. Did you see the, uh, the, 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 the gif of... It's the scene from The Incredibles of Mr. Incredible, like, going through the... the <laughs> computer and like seeing all of the Marvel TV shows that have been cancelled and in this very chilling fashion and it was really funny um, bring back Agent Carter season 3 <laughs> or at least give her a TV movie to end it out um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's such a strange thing and here's the last thing I want to say about this whole ordeal but it's such a strange thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is like built on um, long build-ups and you know these extended plans. To see a story go unfinished in the MCU is weird. Yeah, very much so. It is just it's because that's that's a, that's like a that's a that's a dead end for a part of a continuing expanding universe. Like that's just so strange that like part of it just entirely stops and that just kind of like no matter what it is like i in humans sucked but i was like oh man that's kind of a bummer that like <laughs> that you know spoiler <laughs> for inhuman season one like they're they're earthbound now and we'll just never know like what's gonna happen to them down there yeah. um so and i would actually if if kevin Feige were to announce like months from now that hey we're doing our own versions of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Like, if they announced that and they were ignoring the shows, uh, I would be mad. I would be actually properly, genuinely mad. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I there's a part of me that hopes that they uh, pull all those same people, especially the same actors together, and, and maybe take it to the streaming service. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that I would hope they have a deep enough roster that they're not redoing shows that they've already had. I, I'd prefer, at the very least, we retire the jersey for <laughs> right. Iron Fist and Luke Cage <laughs> yeah. and just say, we tried it, you know, it, it due to whatever circumstances, it, it didn't work out, but uh, this happened. Yeah. We will not forget Iron Fist and Luke Cage. 
Um, yeah, we, we hang up the uh, 23 jersey, but then it comes back in the 45 jersey. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then he retires again and then plays baseball. And then, I don't know, he's in the Washington Wizards next time you know. Um, Michael Jordan, everyone. Um, Would the basketball glow? (laughs) Well, that's that's how it was in Space Jam, so I would say yes. That's Uh, true. (laughs) Iron Fist Space Jam crossover would be. Yes. Oh, man. There's just so many, like, that's, I think that's what it gets down to is I wish that failing shows would be a playground for innovation and doing just crazy stuff to try and stay relevant instead of just being cut as like, oh, well, tried that, it didn't work, you know? Do you want the shows to, like, eat each other alive? Like, should, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season six have some inhumans in them? (laughs) I mean, why not, right? Like, just, like, start, start crossing over more or start doing, like, crazier concepts, just, like, stand out. Because I feel like maybe uh, the four Netflix shows were a little bit too... They each had their own gimmick, but to some degree they were all like darker, grittier takes on New mm-hmm. York-level street yeah. heroes. Yeah. Maybe four was too many. I could see that. Um, and so maybe stand out. Do something something new. I don't know. Telling you, they should have arrowverse to this whole thing and like have them go si- simultaneously and they all have like a crossover event like once a year, you know. I do not watch any of the Arrowverse stuff. Last night I was watching the beginning of Crisis on Earth X. Is that the one with Nazis? Yes, there are Nazis in this one. It was I think I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen I've seen part one of four. I'm gonna watch part two tonight because like I'm just so fascinated. Because I saw that the Legends of Legends of Tomorrow season four trailer, and it began with a, a murderous unicorn impaling a hippie. So I was like, okay, there must be something interesting going on with this show. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah, but... Legends of Tomorrow is uh, stuff happens in that show. I actually have not seen very much of it. I've seen I think three or four episodes. But, I, um, yeah, I saw an image of a, of a talking gorilla threatening college age Barack Obama. So I was like, okay, this show might be all right. Um, and it's really just like the, the, I'm not going to say recycling bin, it's more like the garbage disposal of the other Arrowverse shows, because just (laughs) characters just get thrown in there and blended together. Just legends. They're just doing crazy stuff with them. And and the writers of Legends are like, okay, yeah, cool, more toys to play with, and it's like, let's just... Right, exactly. What if there was a... What if it turned? What if a giant stuffed animal beat the big bad guy in the season finale? Which I think is a real thing that happened. Like I'm not making that up. Um, and like in, in kind of like a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man kind of deal. Um, I I saw that YouTube clip and I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but stop making me interested in the Arrowverse. Just stop. I can't. I don't have time for this. I, yeah, I will not watch Arrow, but I, I also won't watch Legends yeah. Tomorrow. And none of, but imagine, I hope that you do, and I hope you tell me about it. Imagine if one of them was was canceled, like it was the, the whole oper- would that like um, take down the whole operation? You know, like <laughs> if suddenly they decided to cancel so. Arrow tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a strange thing when like they're all they're, they're not codependent on each other, but they're so you identify them all together. You know, it's like losing yeah. a losing a sibling. Right. Right. I think it, it does come back to what you're saying where uh, it, it is 
Marvel TV has never been as successful as the movie counterpart. Um, but in a, in a sense, this really does feel like Marvel TV will never be as big as it was a month ago when it had all these different shows going. Um, and it, it feels like they're scaling back with sort of... I, I haven't heard of anything that they're doing new. It, it's not like in preparation of an announcement of like, oh, now there's a new four series interconnected, whatever. I, <laughs> right. I mean, at least on the television side, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ceased to to grow and thrive and be prosperous, which yeah. is sad. It's, it's really interesting how the narrative has shifted because I feel like at one point it was like, Marvel TV's doing too much. Like... Right. Like damage control and whatever new warriors, Squirrels. whatever happening to that. And, um, Squirrels. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to say there was, uh, I ran a news story a few weeks ago that was like the, uh, the screenwriter of the first Wonder Woman movie is working on some sort of female focused Marvel show for ABC. Um, and I was like, what the hell is that going to be low budget a force? Because like, there's no way you can like <laughs> do a big scale show like that on ABC. Um, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe it's a wake up call. Maybe because it, it, going from there are too many shows to oh god they're killing all the shows. <laughs> well, like, I, and I don't think we're quite there. I don't no, think we've no, got nothing. No. I think it's just it's the uh, the velocity is downwards, right? Yeah. Like the the rate of change is subtracting shows yeah. instead of adding yeah. them. So we'll see. Yeah. So I think we should calm down a bit, even though it is sad and like this doesn't like. You don't cancel a movie franchise like like Marvel has not done that like uh, besides right. I guess the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's the only thing that really counts because we haven't seen uh we haven't seen Betty Ross in a while. Um, no, we have not. There were some rumors she'd be back in Infinity War, which I guess were bunk. But uh, Russo said she was dusted. Yeah, off off Fair. screen. <laughs> they could not get Liv Tyler to film a cameo of her saying. Bruce, and then she just turns into dust. But um, <laughs> watching a camera like in Wakanda, or yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, so remember to pour one out for Iron Fist and Luke Cage. But I don't know. Like we're filming, we're recording this on Sunday night. Like who knows? In the next two or three days, by the time this goes up, maybe they're like by some miracle. Um, you're gonna see a uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, you're, you're going to see a um, a picture, a cryptid picture of the Danny Rand with his glowing fist punching Luke Cage's hand and making a shockwave, and it'll come from the Twitter accounts. Everyone's going to go crazy, but uh, I don't know. That's wishful thinking. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll just wait and see what happens, because we're still getting Jessica Jones Season 3, even though Melissa Rosenberg is leaving after that season is done. And I want to say they just wrapped filming Punisher Season 2. So, there's still more to come. There is. Yeah. I don't know what the hell they're going to be about, though. And (laughs) it'll be really funny if they, like, inserted Easter eggs to uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Or, like, oh, I hear Luke Cage is bad now. Or, hey, do you see Colleen with her glowing sword? And we're all like, ha oh, they canceled that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, that that is done. Or some like offhanded mention of like, did you hear that 
both Luke Cage and Iron Fist were hit by trains and died. Yeah. Some sort of awful closure. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did that with Agent Carter. It was like Coulson giving a tour of the base and just like, oh, and Peggy Carter is one of our most famous agents, but uh, uh, a lot of her adventures were lost to time or like have not been declassified yet. Um, So... Wow. Oh, dear God. And uh, also Civil War came out the same time Agent Carter was cancelled, and then in that same Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, you, it opens with Coulson looking at the paper and seeing that Peggy Carter had died. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. That's kind of a... It's, I mean, that's kind of a nice connection, you know? Between well, I mean, it was an unintentional, because it all happened... Like, it aired the same time it got cancelled, so it was like... Yeah. <laughs> so that was just kind of like, oh man, she died, like twice like both in real <laughs> life and in the, in the fiction <laughs> oh yeah oh well anyway i think that'll be it for us tonight um it's a good yeah thomas you got a uh I, I i told izzy and anthony to talk about it last episode but you have a two-parter coming up is that correct I do have a two-parter coming up. Editing is almost begun. Ooh. Um, I thought you were going to say over, and I got really excited. <laughs> no, no. I, I, yeah, it's one of those fun bait-and-switches. But uh, uh, I, like, went on a mental tangent for a really long time, thinking about, like, uh, essentially, I was thinking of, um, like, why a shared universe could be problematic and why all these other universes, like, haven't been able to make it work. Yeah. Um, and sort of... It, I, I was sort of looking at the problems and going, all of these problems get worse the more you add to a cinematic universe. Yeah. So the the general gist of the two-parter is sort of moving forward, will will Marvel, like, buckle under the, the strain of sustaining this model? Right. But uh, tune in. Uh, when is this episode coming out? Well, this episode will come out on th- uh, October th- uh, Thursday, October uh, twenty. Uh, my, my calendar is very slow right now. So it's, it's, it's this Thursday, so... right? So I have, yeah. So this will tune in next week to hear all about Marvel's shared universe model. And uh, the follow-up about what I call corners of the universe. And I'll just leave that as a Ooh. teaser. I I can tell you, I can't wait to listen to it because I haven't yet. But uh... <laughs> yeah, no, this will be. So I think this will be amazing because you won't have to edit it. So it'll be the first time you're oh, hearing thank it. God, will be when it actually comes out. Dude, editing editing that Venom episode actually murdered me. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to just dissolve after that. Um, I haven't yet heard it. I've been saving it for a workout this this week. Are you gonna work out for two hours because that's how long the episode is? Is it actually? Yeah, it's I two might, hours. Uh, so my run today was actually two hours, uh-huh. so I should have listened. <laughs> Why wow, you were lost? <laughs> yeah. Then I, you know, I'd be less lost than the makers of Venom. But that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thomas, you are. Um, you are. I, I don't want to say infamous, but you are known for not uh, having any social media you ever want to share at the end of the show. So uh, I can. You... I mean, if we've got some time in this episode, I can explain what's what's going on with that. Because all of you guys are, <laughs> um, you you sort of have a, a brand and mm-hmm. are trying to be seen as as media reporters or writers or just generally personas on the internet. And this is. 
Uh, I love these podcasts very much, and I like doing them and talking about Marvel, yeah. but I have a day job um, where I sort of... Uh, so I'm a consultant, and part of that is just sort of maintaining a super competent and professional um, brand. So I try and keep my social media like completely cleansed of everything. Um, I've considered deleting everything multiple That'll times be just because I don't want... I don't want any <laughs> clients getting into that. So I, I don't use social media and don't want to for partly for the same reasons that you want to be followed. I want mm-hmm. to not be followed. Well, I can tell you, you are competent and professional in this show for the most part. Yeah. Oh, why? Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. You can find me at Compenderizer. Um, I, I usually put Izzy and Anthony's social media handles in the show notes as well. Uh, let's see. Steve Motter did the music. Uh, Charles Villanueva did the logo. Marvel News Desk has our Patreon. And uh, I feel like I should have mentioned this every single episode, but like, uh, please subscribe. Actually, subscribe to AP Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'm actually not yet. Uh, yeah, see, because be yeah, I the problem right is that like this. I've always assumed that oh, you're listening to this, so you must already be subscribed. But like I, uh, that that's too much of an assumption. So I'm going to say like if you have, if you use Apple Podcasts uh, or most other podcast uh, providers, like I use Pocket Casts, for example, um, our RSS feed should be on that service. Um, I think we were having trouble getting it in Google Play, and I don't think it's on spotify and we are working on that but uh yeah hit that subscribe you'll get a little nice little ping every thursday uh so yeah thanks everyone listening don't forget to subscribe rest in peace danny rand and luke cage they're not actually dead it's fine (laughs) (laughs) goodbye see ya Mm -hmm.